So today we're talking. Oh, excuse me. <coughs> today we're talking about faith and works, and the importance that these two have with going together. Friends, we are to be known by our works, but our works need to be coming from that place of faith, and that's where I want for us. Oh, thank you. That's where I want for us to think about this. So I wanted to share with you a story that I heard on social media this week. Now, I'm going to embellish a little bit here for the purposes of this story, but I want you to know this is a factual story. This actually happened. Not all the details. I'm going to embellish a little bit here, but it actually happened. So a young man in London needed to get home one night, and uh, he didn't have enough money for the cab fare. He had a choice. He could either have dinner and then walk home, or he could call a cab and get home. And he figured out, why don't we do both? So he called Domino's, and he ordered a pizza, and he waited outside the pizza shop. And when the pizza driver got in his car, he asked if he could give him a lift. And he did. And he saved 20 pounds on a, on a cab fare. And if you know the exchange rate right now, that is a lot of money. And he bought an eight pound personal pizza. See, friends, we are known by our deeds. This young man is now known. And what are some of the words we could use to describe that action? Can you give me some words? What, what would we call that? Resourceful. Resourceful, yes. What was that? Creative. Creative, yes, yes. Bold, smart, cheeky. <laughs> we are known by our actions. And to some that could be very beneficial. To, to others they might have some difficulty with that. They might ask about integrity. They might ask about whether or not the driver should have done that. How dangerous it would be. Would you get into a stranger's car? Even if they were ordering delicious pizza? I don't know. Then again, Domino's pizza, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but we are known for our deeds. And Jesus asks that we be known by the deeds that elevate and that demonstrate Christ alive and at work in our lives. Now, friends, we are in our season of discipleship. And have you noticed our new banner that we've got over here? It says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is what we are doing in this season of discipleship is we are sharing how God is making us disciples, modern day missionaries, not just for our region, but among the Brazilian community, but for those who are listening online, but as part of the wider presbytery, the regional life of our church that we talked about just now from Kuparu down to Benora Point. But also in those private and intimate spaces. As many of you know, my wife and I, we met at Missionary Training College. And we had this great speaker, one of the mission leaders from Gateway Baptist. And if you know Gateway Baptist, They've got some amazing, amazing speakers. And he came out to us. And he came and he said to us, you guys are so brave. You want to go far, far away to share the gospel. 
But the challenge you've got to ask yourselves is, God, are you calling me to go far away? Or am I running away? Because sometimes discipleship is hardest where? That's right. At home. Right here. And I would get even further to say that it's hardest even here. So friends, if we are to be known by our deeds, if we are to be contemporary disciples here at home, if we are to be home missionaries, then we need to be known by the kinds of deeds that really elevate and show who Christ is among us. And that's what I wanted to share with you today. So I invite you to bow your heads with me as we dedicate this time together to our Lord. Father, speak to us and let us know your word. Let us be convicted in our hearts of that which you want us to do and who you want us to be. And Lord, may we go forward from this place today, knowing that you continue to call us into new and greener pastures, into new challenges, into spaces that maybe may not be so comfortable, but where we know that you go before us. So we pray for this time in Jesus' name and the people of God saying, Amen. Hang on a minute. Ever reliable technology. Yay. In Genesis 15 verses 5 and 6, God takes Abraham outside and he says, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as what? What? Is righteousness. Is it an internal thing or an external thing? Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Is it about always being right, the right in righteousness? Or is it actually about an acknowledgement that sometimes in our hearts we can be wronger than wrong? Friends, it's actually all of that. Now, to understand righteousness, particularly in this context, is really crucial because what happened here was that the Jewish people were looking back at Abraham and their righteousness was tested through the law. So they had a list of things and they went ahead and did it. Right? Kids at school, when you're given a, an assignment or, or an order of the day, how do you know that you fulfilled your day? You complete your list, don't you? You get your ticks, you know? Maybe you get an A from the teacher. Yay, I've achieved it. And if you get a C, no iPad time. No, <laughs> But there's a sense that maybe you haven't achieved that which you could achieve. That is how the Jewish people looked at righteousness. They looked at it as this list and these things that I have to do about being right with God. But what we need to realize is that they weren't looking at a time when the law existed. So therefore, how could Abraham have ticked the list? He didn't know. He didn't understand it. He was known by his deeds. And the deed in here was believing. The deed in here was that outward expression of his faith. In contemporary circles, my friends, it's so hard because 
You can talk about what sporting team you follow, can't you? You can talk about your political ideology to a certain degree. But the second you start talking about your faith or your religion, I imagine a lot of our secular friends say, no, 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 I don't want to talk about that. So we actually live in a world right now where we are challenged to do exactly this. To live that which we believe. And that, that is one of the hardest things. Because I can talk all day about Jesus. But challenge me to live Jesus when I'm grumpy. Challenge me to live Jesus when I've been in traffic in the M1 for an hour trying to get from Pimpama to being late. Challenge me to live Jesus when I'm frustrated and put off. Man, that's hard. I can talk the talk, but I've got to walk the walk. And this is what Abraham did. And it was credited to him as what? Righteousness. Righteousness. So we need to do the same. We need to remember that the place in our heart from which that demonstration, that deed, that action comes is a place that has to be right with the Lord. And I want to add the word there, right there with the Lord. Are you with me, church? So that what we do is not necessarily coming from our own human understanding and knowledge but instead from an acknowledgement of the fact that maybe I don't know, maybe I'm not always right, but I want to be right there with Jesus. You've got to realize that part of what was going on at the time is that Abraham was being set aside for God. Now this is what righteousness actually means. The original word, tzedakah, it means separated. Why? Why? You might be thinking, what? what a weird concept. Why does it mean separated, separated, set aside, um, earmarked? Is that right? Ear, yes. Earmarked for God. Because this is what God did with Abram. He took him, there's God's righteousness, Sadaqah, and he takes Abraham, and then he brings him under, and he changes him from Abram to Abraham because now set aside from the rest of the world he was righteous with God he was right there you with me church so when God is calling disciples that's what he's saying why do you think Jesus said leave your mother leave your father come and follow me because he's saying you got to be right there with me ready to go Separated, set aside for him, earmarked for him. Now, I'm actually doing my thesis on this, Abraham and righteousness. So I can probably talk for another 45 minutes on this topic, and I promise you I won't. (laughs) But a couple of the salient points that I want to share with you is that God says to Abraham, leave your folk, leave your people. That is what? Setting aside, setting apart. He says, leave your country and go to the country. That is what? Setting apart. 
he is actually this righteousness that Abraham began to exhibit was all about a locational difference. He was made of a new nation, of a new people, of a new family, and of a new country. And as many of us here are migrants and immigrants, we can appreciate the challenge of what that is. Even if you've moved into state, you arrive at a new state and everyone's like, oh yeah, we just go to Woolies down at Kubala. Or you mispronounce the places, the place names. I love it. My wife, she told me we needed to go to Kapalava. I assume many of you have made that mistake as well. <laughs> I made the mistake with the Barton. Apparently it's Theberton in South Australia. Displacement creates a space of discomfort. And in that discomfort, there is something powerful. Because you start realizing, I'm not right all the time. Therefore, I need to be with the one who is. I need to be right there with Jesus. And that's why James brings this example of Abraham forwards. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? This is so captivating for me. Because the word that's used here in this translation is evidence. A demonstrable, measurable way of understanding something. But that's not what he actually says. That's not what he's actually talking about. He's not talking about something that is demonstrable or measurable. He's talking about identifiable. And when you go from one country to another, that is one of the big things that changes. Do you know what? Here in Australia, I'm Argentinian. Here in Australia, I'm Latino. Do you think in my country I'm any of those things? No. In Argentina, I'm Australian. That's right. And why not? Because my distinctiveness over there is what identifies me. So this is what he's saying. It's not so much proof that faith without deeds is useless. It's more in your identity. Let's identify that which demonstrates that faith without deeds is useless. And he goes on to say, you can't. This is one of the hardest things about the Christian walk, my friends. Because the Spirit convicts, the Spirit works in our hearts and the Spirit tells us. You got to be better. And it's so easy in this world to just go, no, you know what, God? I've done my good deed for this week. Do you get people coming, knocking on your door for charities? Do you feel guilty when you shut the door? Not me, I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 
I, I, came, I came from a favela. I lived in a shanty slum in Brazil. You want to take up an offering for a third world child? I'm here. <laughs> I also happen to know, having worked with NGOs, just how much of that door knocking gets siphoned through corporations and businesses who frankly don't need your money before it gets to where it needs to go. And I do a lot of research to find out where my charitable giving should go. And what I've learned over the years is that actually, actually, for me, it is so much more meaningful if I can go and if I can be there. If I can give a commodity much more precious than the coins that I leave behind to pay the toll. That commodity is my time, my presence, my love. That, that is harder, isn't it, friends? That is challenging. That is convicting. We had this amazing opportunity during the, the floods, and I think I've shared with most of you, uh, one of the hats that I hold in the life of our wider church is that I'm a, a crisis chaplain. This is why I'm a crisis chaplain, by the way. Because I've been to places devastated by fire. I've been to places devastated by floods. I have seen homes washed away, lives lost and destroyed by what people would dare deem acts of God. And it makes me angry. Because I look in those situations and I say, God is not in this. But look at the volunteers coming in, cleaning the mud. Taking away the burned and scorched furniture. God is in that. That is where you see through those deeds. And most recently in Lismore. Beautiful church. 100 year old church. In the heart of Lismore. Had water up to about there. Five meters Five meters. Two twenty-one floods. Eight meters high. Yes. Um, Ian told me it was three meters when I was there. But I went in there and I saw not a muddied wall, but a wall that stood against the literal tide of filth that had come against it. A wall that had been tested and remained. And I can guarantee you right now, you can go, Reverend Ian Bennett, Pastor Ian Bennett, sorry, and you can worship with them. That eight meters of floodwaters did not wash away that community. And now their faith is shown by their deeds because they are there. And during that time, part of that church was also used so that people who did not have houses that withstood the flooding could have somewhere safe and dry to sleep. Friends, this is what James is talking about when he's saying, show me faith without deeds. You cannot Faith, if faith is at work in our lives, it works itself out. It floods from us and it makes itself known. Towards the end of the book, and we're going to 
We're going to visit it some more next week. But towards the end of the book, James says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. And anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Abraham had faith and it was counted to him as righteousness. James asks an action of us here. That action is prayer. And in that prayer, he confers upon us what? Righteousness. Because when we pray with that heart, we are right there with Jesus. Look at this, friends. Let me show you something. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing. Is anyone sick? Let them call the elders of the church. The action James calls is on those that have the need. I've had friends, my, my congregation, who have said to me, I left that church because when I was sick, the pastor didn't come and visit me. Did you call him or her? Oh, the people in this church were very unfriendly. Were you friendly? Oh, this, this church didn't do the things that I wanted to do in the way that... Did you tell them? See, being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not being a customer. It's not like when I go to Big W and I'm, I'm expecting to find that which I need to buy off the shelf and take home with me. No. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that I am cooperating as in functioning together alongside the body. A body of sinners. A body of people who are flawed. A body of people who need love. And when I do that, I am right there with Jesus. Because Jesus did not find himself among the ones who said that they were so perfect and so nice, sitting in the temple in their flowing robes with their long tassels. He found himself among the sinners. He found himself among the sick. He found himself among those who needed him to be right there with him. Therefore, his disciples, we should be there also. Are you with me, church? I want to conclude with a word of commendation. I want to commend you, church. Because I want to say to you that this message for me was a difficult one to put together. But it became progressively easier as I, I realized as I was putting this together that you already know a lot of this. That in many respects I'm preaching to the choir, I'm preaching to the converted. That you already do this. My prayer and hope is that rather than feeling like I'm chastising you today. That you hear those things that you do coming across. And that you find yourself in them. And that this is an encouragement for us to do that even more. For us to know that when we go out into this world... A world that vilifies talking about faith. 
We don't need to talk. We just do. We just live faith and we will be known by our works. Remember the young man in London? How do we describe what he did? Smart, cheeky, resourceful. I wonder, my friends, when people see our actions, how will they describe what we do? They may not use the words like faith, faithful or righteous. They might use different words. Wasn't that nice? Wasn't that kind? Wasn't that loving? In Spanish and Portuguese, we use the word simpático. Sympathetic. The difference is that we can talk about this young man and what he did and have a bit of a laugh. Because what he did is sticking it to the system. But when people are talking about us and describing us, they're actually talking about Christ at work in us. They're actually talking about the way how that expression, all of those things that they say, They're actually describing Jesus. So James concludes, and he says, Understand then that those who have faith are the children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Lynn, can I invite you to? Thank you. Abraham was an Iraqi man. One whom God had displaced. Whom God had taken from his place of comfort, his happy, wealthy family. And he said to him, I'm going to do something new through you. I'm going to take you And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless all those around you. Through you. This is his promise to us today. So when James says that we need to be children of Abraham. We need to be children under that faith. My prayer for you is that you find yourself living your faith wherever you are. In the family, in your friendship circle, in the neighborhood. And some of these places will be hard, but that's okay. Because Jesus will be right there with you. Let us pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for your word. And for the reality that though we are called out of our spaces of comfort, Lord, you go there and you are there with us. Continue to equip, instruct and uphold us. May we be emissaries of your love wherever we go. And I thank you that your love goes before us. So Father, help us find ourselves right there with you. Keeping our hearts right there. And may righteousness be our banner and our goal. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.